It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Once again, welcome to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the grateful owner of KAAM Radio God Country, Texas, and I'm sitting here with Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael L. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Michael L. My middle initial is B. I don't know. uh, uh, What does the L stand for? Well, it is the the, um, uniqueness of the story, the ladybird deed. Okay. Which is one of your favorite topics, one of mine too, because I love the name, speaking of the <laughs> L word, and I love what it does most of the time. You have a story for the audience about how ladybird deeds matter and titles matter and you think A and then B happens and it's a day in the life of Michael Cohen that the audience should hear about. Well, I guess first we ought to probably explain um, what a ladybird deed does. Uh, because uh, people, it, it is kind of, and, and by the way, it really wasn't named for Lady Bird Johnson. Right. Uh, a, a, an elder law attorney in Florida uh, was giving a, uh, teaching other attorneys uh, in the early 2000s and used the fictional name Lady Bird, which stuck, like saying. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people just assume it's Lady Bird Johnson mm-hmm. or Lady, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, but that's really not the case. Okay. Uh, a Lady Bird deed for those who don't know, and probably most people don't, is an enhanced life estate deed. What does that mean? All right, so a deed with reservation of life estate, a deed with reservation of life estate says, okay, I deed this property, let's say, to child, for example, uh, but I reserve the right to live in the property, my home, let's say. By the way, a, a labor deed doesn't have to be on just a home. A labor deed could be on any property. Mm. So it doesn't matter. So if you just wanted to avoid probate for each property that you have, you could do either a labor deed, and there's also another thing called transfer on debt deeds, which we'll talk about too, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But so you could have a deed on a watch. You could have a deed on a boat. What do you no, mean no, 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 that? on real estate. Real estate. Real estate. Okay. So that means uh, if you have a vacation home mm-hmm. or if you had another, you have a farm. and Vacant land. Vacant land. Okay. Even mineral rights. is a, mineral rights. So oh. you could te- technically do it on any type of Property. real estate. Okay. Of real yeah. estate. Other things as far as beneficiary designations, though, you mentioned since you mentioned that, yes, you could have a beneficiary designation on a car. Mm. So that we talked about that a couple of years ago almost. That law changed um, where you could actually go to the Department of Motor Vehicles and have a beneficiary designation. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a lot of times people want to avoid going to court to probate a will. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have wills, and I'm not saying that you should only have beneficiary designations because a lot of bad things could occur. And so sometimes you could do that in your planning, uh, let's say you had even a Lady Bird deed. So let's say you had a a person who was disabled. Mm-hmm. 
you could have it go the uh, person who is disabled, perhaps uh, that they can handle things. You could have the deed go to a trust, which might have a, a special needs trust for the disabled person. So there's different planning issues. It's not just that things pass outside of probate. We also have to consider the person who's receiving. Do they have credit issues? Are they have are they disabled? Is there marital issues that we want to protect against? So if you want to go a step further, you could do that too, and that's part of the planning process. Great. But anyway, let's kind of talk a little bit about what it is to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, a deed with reservation of life estate that's enhanced. So a strict deed with reservation of life estate says I have the right to uh, live in my let's say live in my property for my life. Right. And then upon uh, my death, you get this property. However, now what? For, but, but, yes, but the however is right because if it's a strict deed with reservation of life estate, then there's a there. Then you only have your life estate interest, and there's actually charts to say what that value is. And so the remainder beneficiary then has rights to that property, and the older the person who sets up the deed the less interest that person has and the much more that the remainder beneficiary would receive. Mm -hmm. Now, a ladybird deed is different in the fact that there is no right, basically they don't get the prop, there is no remainder interest uh, rights as far as um, having an ownership interest per se because the ladybird deed gives the right to sell the property, change your beneficiaries, lease the property, mortgage the property, total control, change your mind. The argument that some title companies may have is it has an equitable interest. So the, um, now, when would Lighty Bird Deeds, by the way, be used as a common situation um, is in Medicaid. We often use it. As you know, as an elder law attorney, uh, we have to protect the assets for those who we plan to apply for or are on Medicaid. Um, So for a homestead, a homestead's unlimited if you're married in value that will not count as an asset. But otherwise, if you're single, the equity limit has to be under $595,000 as of January 1st, 2020. It was was $585 last year in 2019. So the um, and this, oh, by the way, that varies by state. So uh, some states had a, it's over 800000 So if you're in California or New York, it'll be more expensive, more expensive. The cost of, of homes is greater in those, some states. Sure. And so the limits, when they fi- when they passed the law back in 2006, uh, uh, they had a $500,000 limit in some states and seven fifty dollars in other states under the federal law that, and the Deficit Reduction Act of 2005, which was signed on almost uh, it's, it's 14 years ago, February 8th, 2006. Anyway, uh, so at that time, um, uh, they they had a 500 or 750, and of course with inflation, so it's gone from 500 to 595 now in 14 years, just as an illustration, and over 800,000 and uh, for those that started at 750. Okay. Well, anyway, the if you're the home doesn't count as an asset as long as there's an intent to return. If you should apply for long-term care Medicaid, like if you're in a nursing home 
or sometimes if you're on what's called, there's lots of different Medicaid programs, 40 or 50 Medicaid programs. It's not on all Medicaid programs. Sometimes people get care at home, like there's a thing called Star Plus Medicaid. The state has a right to make a claim, so even though you don't, doesn't count as an asset, they could get reimbursed to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. So if they pay for that caregiver at home or for drugs or if you're in a nursing home, then the government says pay us back. All right, but they only go after things that in Texas, and this varies again from state to state on Medicaid to state recovery, they only go after things that go by will or intestacy. Intestacy means without a will. In other states, by the way, they have it's a lien, which means they could go after it no matter way, whatever way. So under the fed, under that federal law, Texas technically could change to be the way they might do it in, let's say, Ohio or some other place, mm-hmm. uh, where they could actually have a lien and they could go after it no matter, even if you had a surviving spouse, but not in Texas. If you have a surviving spouse, by the way, that's an exception to the rules. All right, so so the reason for the Lady Burdita, in addition to avoiding probate, is that it avoids Medicaid estate recovery. So I had uh, somebody that they met, let's say we had somebody uh, that had incurred $200,000 of bills and your home was worth $300,000, then the government technically could go after that home and say, pay us from, sell that home and pay us $200,000. Um, but if you had the Lady Bird deed, then it, then it avoids a successful claim at $200,000 from being repaid. Oh, that's so, uh, so the first thing is that you should be aware of is that um, all property, it doesn't... Now, other property, if you were to, on Medicaid, um, generally will count as an asset unless you place it up for sale. Hmm. So... Uh, if I get a chance, I'll give you a story about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, and of course, if you sell, it becomes cash. Okay. So we had somebody who has a property in Hawaii that's 100 years old. We place the property up for sale. It doesn't count as an asset. Right. Okay. So, uh, but if you wanted to uh, protect that property, uh, then they should do uh, a ladybird deed from the claim the state. Otherwise, the government will go after it to the extent that Medicaid benefits have been advanced. Michael has many, many honest and legal ways to skin the cat, and this is one of them. Uh, But there's all kinds of other options out there for you, and that's why he's done this program for so long. So please continue. All right. So so anyway, uh, the good news, too, is like for Medicaid, normally if you make a transfer, it's subject to a five-year look-back period. But because you take total you're still in total control it's not considered a transfer so you're not penalized for making the ladybird deed okay so you could do this at any time even after you're on medicaid as long as you do it before you die now so now because you're in total control then if you let's say it was your home and let's say you're over 65 you still get those same exemptions because you're in control any life estate you're still the one that's being taxed to whoever the one who set this thing up. Okay. Also, if you continue to own that property till you pass, you have a, what's called a step up in basis. So, in other words, if I bought a home for a hundred thousand, it's worth three hundred thousand dollars now, and then I die, and it goes to my whoever my heirs might be. The, that let's say it was children. Uh, children would get the value of. 
they wouldn't have to pay the capital gains tax after they sell the property on that $200,000 increase. It would be only the increase that occurred after this, uh, you know, after three hundred thousand. So if it went up to they w- sold it at three fifty, mm-hmm. they might pay capital gains on that fifty thousand dollar increase. Sure, beach two hundred or three hundred thousand. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, you know, if if parent had sold the home during lifetime and they were on Medicaid, labor did not protect that because then it's just it becomes cash and cash is an, an asset, and so okay. you'd have to do something with it. Got it. So, um, so now, now let's say that. You have your your beneficiary, the grantee, uh, has um, oh creditors, and you and let's say you uh, you find this out after you've done the lady bird deed. Okay, what can we do? Well, remember you can always change your mind, so you can make it somebody else as the beneficiary, or you could have it go to the person in a type of trust that protects them from creditors. Mm-hmm. Just like you could have it go into a type of trust if somebody is disabled or if somebody is has a marital issue. So you could do some different things uh, in addition to the deed if you so desire. So you still have that flexibility. Also with a ladybird deed, unlike a transfer on death deed, you could use a power of attorney to sign the deed. So let's say that the, that your will, or maybe you have your everything goes to your children, and but you now lack mental capacity, mm-hmm. and you wanted to avoid Medicaid estate recovery. Then, if you record the power of attorney and the original power of attorney in the county where the property is located, and then sign the deed, now you've avoided that uh, claim uh, by the state. So in our example, if there was two hundred thousand dollars of uh, you know claims for paying that nursing home bill or the care at home or drugs, then that could be avoided by having um, a ladybird deed. Now, and, 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 and even after somebody lacked capacity, whereas we're on transfer on debt deed. So there's another thing called a transfer on debt deed, kind of a statutory <clears throat> form that says, okay, upon my death, it goes to, remember, kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe even have a contingent. You could always do a cancellation of the deed, but you can't do it if you lack mental lack mental capacity. I can't use a power of attorney for that. And also on a um, labor deed that you have for title purposes, it goes back all the way uh, from whenever, not just when you got the property, but going back through time uh, from the Spanish land grants or whatever. Uh, so you you have better. It's better for a. Uh, from a title's perspective and not maybe, of course the title company would prefer not to insure going back all the time, so they would prefer transfer on death these, which gets to one of my issues. You got an issue? I have an issue. Mm-hmm. And my issue is what what title companies require, now that I've given you a little bit of a primer mm-hmm. on ladybird deeds, what's my beef? Good. Where's and the beef? And we're not going to talk about that beef till we talk about the next workshop. First, you see how the pendulum has swung from last week was Alzheimer's. Uh, it's part of this topic today in, in, in general, but uh, it's gotten very deep and legally complicated today with lots of polysyllabics and phrases that are legal, but that's what comes from Michael's mind. Uh, he's a very intelligent, very insightful attorney who knows his stuff. He's rereading nothing. This is all coming from his head, <clears throat> like every show does. 
So uh, when you want that kind of mind representing you, that kind of man, and the way to make sure that he can do that, or at least preliminarily able to do it and help you with your estate plan or government assistance is to attend his next workshop on Valentine's Saturday. Valentine's is a Friday. Valentine's Saturday is February 15th. And at 10 o'clock that morning, he's going to be having his next workshop. And tell him where the workshop's located typically. Well, we have a conference center in our office building, which is in North Dallas uh, by Medical City Hospital. Okay. Uh, so it's close to, uh, if you know where Forest Lane is or Central Expressway mm-hmm. or LBJ okay. 635. Yeah, it's right there. Uh, it's right there. it's no, easy no tra- to get there. Yeah, no, it's easy because there's no traffic on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, too. So we know it's Valentine's the day after. We want you to still get up and go to this workshop because it's extremely beneficial and it's free. And there's plenty of coffee and the KWM coffee mugs and coffees and cookies and donuts. So attend the workshop and Michael, tell them what goes on there if you can. Yeah, and first of all, since you mentioned Valentine's Day, I should say there's got to be a morning after. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, what we do is we actually say... What is it that you want to know about estate planning? It doesn't. And we were just talking about ladybird deeds today because there was something that bothered me mm-hmm. uh, in this last week. That um, what do you, what do you want to know? Right. It could. We're, here we're talking about Medicaid or avoidance of probate mm-hmm. because we don't want to have to pay the attorney to go to court to probate a will or avoid Medicaid estate recovery. But it could be anything that's on your mind. The new Secure Act we talked about. Well, yeah, ago. we talked. We mm-hmm. talked about the Secure Act uh, toward the beginning of the year about how they've changed the raw, uh, rules, and particularly with inherited IRAs, mm-hmm. to uh, the stretch because it's limited to 10 years except for certain exceptions. And we say, what do you do as far as planning on that? But it could be any number of things, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's uh, it may be a tax issue like on the uh, inherited IRAs, the SECURE Act, or it could be on protecting your loved ones from creditors or bad marriages or spouses remarrying or disability, or in this case on Medicaid estate recovery that we're talking about here today. Whatever it is, mm. we say, what do you want to know? Good. And then we write down the questions on a board, and through two hours, we answer the questions. And you'll see that some of the things that you that others may have asked, and I say others because it's going to, of course, be a group, and that we usually fill up, uh, that whatever they may ask, it's going to help you on not only say, oh, gee, I didn't even think about that, and maybe there's something I should address myself. And to do that, all you have to go to do to go to that next workshop is um, call that 214-720-0102. Call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. By the way, um, you know, you mentioned about some of the other shows. You mentioned about the Secure Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of these podcasts are on that website, yeah. DallasElderLawyer.com. And so there's all the different topics that we discuss. You know, of course, we have a variety of topics. It could be any number of things. Last week we talked a little bit about Alzheimer's and uh, still the need for planning and the different things from a health perspective, and, but to ranging from this tax issues that you mentioned on the Secure Act or today's show on ladybird deeds or transfer on debt deeds and some of the things that go along with Medicaid. It could be any number of things. It could be about wills. It could be about trust. It could be about powers of attorney. It could be whatever the, whatever it is that's on your mind regarding estate planning. We probably talked about it on a prior show. So uh, for that, uh, if, if you are interested in listening to one of those podcasts, all you have to do is go to our website, that DallasElderLawyer.com. 
if you do go, I should mention, if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop that's two hours for free, and by the way, we usually fill them up. So if you, uh, a lot of times we have a waiting list. So if you are interested, you should probably call that 214-720-0102 telephone mm-hmm. number. Um, that if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give a free one-hour vision meeting. So that's a value of three free hours mm-hmm. of estate planning time. That's over a thousand dollars of free, nothing, no obligation that you get. Not to mention the KWM coffee mug. Never forget that. Yeah. And, and conservatively, a minimum ninety percent of the people that attend the workshop go to the vision meeting. So basically, if you go to the workshop and look around you, they're all going to have that vision meeting because of Michael's excellence and knowledge. So plan on that too. So it's three free hours of estate planning education. Yeah, no obligation. It's, it's just This is just an educational process. Mm-hmm. We think you're going to learn something not only at the workshop, but then on your individual situation, even learn more. And then at least you'll know if there's if, if things fine or mm-hmm. if there are things that can be improved. Uh, so at least uh, you know what your risks are, uh, even if you did nothing. I asked, in this case, we had an actual case where the person, it wasn't even a Medicaid issue, mm-hmm. they had just done a ladybird deed. And so they had four children, and I wanted to confirm what would occur uh, that if, in this case, one of the four children predeceased, predeceased the um, the grantor, the one who set up the deed. Mm-hmm. And I sound like an attorney, but right there, Michael, not assuming anything, he still confirms things because he doesn't want to get somebody to get burned. Right. We, we went on check with the title company to see how they will treat things because there's a difference between legalities and what somebody's going to insure, mm-hmm. as is evidenced in this case, but not because of the question I asked. And by the way, it went to the children of the deceased that died. Okay. The, in other words, the the one child who predeceased his mom, his ch- two children would step in his shoes and take one half of one fourth. Okay, which is what we anticipated the answer to be. They, now the other kids may not have want the other three real children may not have wanted to be in uh, partners with a nephew. Uh, but that's the real world because let's say the nephew's in jail, mm-hmm. and they say, "Oh, gee, I don't want to be partners with them." Right. So, um, so the question though I asked is, what if happened if just out of curiosity from title company's perspective, I said, "What if if that person had changed their mind, and decided to transfer the property, sold the property?" During your lifetime, what would you title company ask? It wasn't the actual our actual fact situation, sure. but they said, and they said, let's see a copy of the deed and say we would want everybody's approval. I said, even the grantees, they didn't get that property until you die, right? Point. And they said, yes, there's an equitable interest. And I said, baloney, yeah, baloney. And then why did I say that? Well, in the document itself. But, I mean, they can do that, by the way, right. uh, because, remember, they're more concerned about insurance. They're not concerned necessarily, uh, and, and for those who are in the title insurance business, uh, forgive me if I offend you, but I don't, and I'm not trying to do that. It's really about insurance. You don't have to insure anybody if you don't want to. And so they want to reduce risk because they don't want to have to pay out. Yeah. So they said, well, you have an equitable interest because, you know, it says that they're a beneficiary upon death. 
But remember the four corners of the instrument say, and when you have a labor deed, that you could sell the property or convey the property without the joinder or consent of anybody. And there's been a court case. And so what I did is I showed them the court case. I said, I know that there's an East Texas court case on this, because in that case, uh, I recalled from a couple years ago, and in fact, I showed them and sent them the court case. I said, I recall that the in this case, the uh, grantor, the one who sets up the deed, had transferred to an LLC, a limited liability company, this property. So now it no longer goes to the grantee. Let's say it was child. Mm -hmm. The child sued. Said, you cannot do that. That's a restraint on alienation. I had some rights. The courts, even on appeal, disagreed with the grantee. They said, no, you they could do whatever they want. Exactly. So that's my point to the title company. So if that's the case, why do I have to have the consent of the other grantees? You should not have to do that. The courts have said that. There's not a problem with Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. That's who governs Medicaid. They don't say that there's – they think that there's no transfer. But by having the grantees have to – sign off, mm -hmm. you're saying that they actually have an interest now. And if that were the case, mm -hmm. would there not be a transfer penalty under the Medicaid rules? And I have a beef with that. Yeah. Because oh, so, mm -hmm. um, so I would uh, disagree. And so I decided that even though it didn't actually wasn't our situation, mm -hmm. I decided to try to let them know and say, and maybe help, hopefully tell people around whoever listens to this show that do not just idly stand by. Well, it's disinformation, it's fake news, and it'll mislead people. That's not right when that's not well, the law. I mean, I could say, some people could say, well, there is a transfer of an equitable interest. Is that going to trigger a due on sale clause? Some people might take that position mm -hmm. um, if you had a mortgage, um, and also that they had some rights. But remember, this is not just if it would just been a transfer of life estate that we described at the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Remember, we had a, if it did not have the enhanced powers the power to sell without the consent of the grantees, the power to mortgage without the consent of the grantees, the power to even change who your beneficiaries are. Mm -hmm. So if you uh, or grantees are, uh, so because of that power, it's different than a, a deed with reservation of life estate. If you have a life estate and you didn't have those powers and you had a remainder interest, then surely then you definitely would have to have the consent of all the others. But if you have removed that from the four corners of the document, why, if you could even deed it back to yourself, why do you have to have others' consent? Did they agree? I don't know yet. Oh, my. I sent, uh, all I can say is I sent the case to the title company, mm -hmm. and I said, look, it bothers me what you said, and I'm going to tell you why. Here's the case. Right. Good. We have judicial precedent. Will you recognize what courts have said when you insure? Very good. So there we go. And so we showcase. We've had we've had other things, and a lot of times the title companies, once you show them the law, then they will say, oh, they will relent. We've had that happen before, where we've had things like on partitions, on life estates. Uh, there's a life estate interest between spouses, and we show them case law, and then they will say, okay. So the title company has to work with the uh, elder law attorney or estate planning attorney mm -hmm. to figure out will they be willing to insure so it's not a lot of times when we think about planning it's not just what's necessarily the law but what will a title company think and that's what's going to happen at the workshops michael will only inform you based on what the law is 
on which he's very current. Attend that next workshop on February the 15th, Saturday at 10 a.m. Dial 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 214- Seven two zero zero one zero two. That's two one four seven two zero zero one zero two. A talk show host on seven seventy KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 